name is Michael Govier, and I am one of the co-hosts of the First Day Podcast. I co-host the show with Leanne Hello, my sweet Canadian girlfriend. On today's episode, we bring aboard Mikey Aheta. Mikey is a counselor in training working on his master's in clinical mental health counseling with an emphasis on trauma. On today's show, we talk about grief and the process of going through it and how we can help others in our lives that are dealing with it. We also take a look at labels and how they are used and how we identify with them in our own lives. This is a very healthy, honest, open discussion, and we hope that you will enjoy it. But more importantly, take something away from it that you'll find of use. That's what's in store for you today on the First Day Pod. Our apologies for being a couple minutes behind. You are now listening or viewing the First Day Podcast. It's a podcast about mental health, addiction, and really anything that people don't like to talk about at parties. I am Michael Govier. I am one of the co-hosts of the show, along with my dear co-host, and yes, my lover, Leanne. Hello. Hi, Leanne. Hey. Good to see you. It's Sunday night. You? This is our new thing. I like it. I really like it, Sunday nights. Yeah. Got a different vibe. It does. It's a little different than Tuesdays. We're not going to go back to Tuesdays. We'll be sticking to Tuesday night, 8 p.m. generally going forward. No, today, Sunday. We're going to stick to Sunday. Damn it! <laughs> I want to introduce our guest. We have okay. a guest today. We're going to talk about mental health with Mikey. I know Mikey from Fantasy Baseball Realm, but there's so much more to Mikey beyond Fantasy Baseball. I mean, this guy is focusing on his master's degree in clinical mental health counseling with an emphasis in trauma. He's about a year away from finishing. So beyond that, he also has lived life as a human being and had his own foibles that he's had to deal with. So he understands what all of this is about, and he's very open. I actually commend him for that. Sometimes he gets a little passionate online, and that's okay. I, I'm not negative. I'm not I'm not minimizing that. I just commend you, though, for being who you are, regardless of what the outcome is. So let's give it up for my guy, Mikey. Howdy. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm so. I've been. I've been wanting to come on here for a while now. I'm very excited. Um, I know. Yeah. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, so I'm glad I, we finally made this happen. I try to remind people that like fantasy baseball is like one percent. Like I like baseball more than fantasy baseball, and fantasy baseball is a fake game about a fake game. Um, so, you know, I, I try to, I like to try to remind people there are much more important things and, uh, you know, in life than just playing such a game. So, um, I try to keep it real. Uh, it, it's hard because, um, people will follow me and I'm like, ah, th there's a lot of extra stuff that comes with, you know, mm -hmm. that follow. So, well, they'll follow um, you for like a specific reason and then they're going to hear other things because they, so if they follow you for fantasy baseball and then they. Yeah. another issue comes up because you talk about a lot more stuff than fantasy baseball, then they might not agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really hide my, my political beliefs or, you know, just my beliefs in general. I, I I'm pretty opinionated and I'm not really afraid to let people know that, you know, um, you so, came to the right show, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about everything. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? I hate that. I was just talking about that, about how it's so stressful if you let it to be on social media because you feel like you need to stay in this like certain lane of like either how you started it or how you um, you kind of have been talking a certain way. And then as soon as you want to be like a human, then it's like, oh, nope, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. you signed up for me. Like, 
that's what it is. So yeah. I'm glad that you don't hide or that you just keep it, you know, in one lane. I think you'd be doing everyone a disservice, you know, so Agreed. Um, yeah, I try my best not to. That's awesome. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Danielle's here. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. been on the show before, too. So yes. she's one of our, we will have everybody on who wants to be honest about their mental health situation, because first off, we all have a situation, regardless of whether you're willing to be honest about it or not. That's, you know, and that's it could be difficult for some people to share in a public forum like this. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with that either. Like if you don't feel comfortable coming on a show or being online and talking about your feelings or your mental health status, that's perfectly acceptable. I am not minimizing that or uh, discouraging you from being that way, right? I think it's important that people be who they want to be or who they would like to be and not live in fear or shame of that, basically regardless of who they are. What do you think of that, Mike? No, yeah, absolutely. I mean. And kind of just like what I was saying, like, I, I think I think you're doing everyone a disservice if you're not uh, being open about eh, I want to caution myself saying that because some people aren't comfortable, you know, talking about their experiences. And obviously, as you guys have talked about, mm -hmm. um, that's totally fine. But I, I think when you do have the kind of bandwidth and the just capability to be able to to keep it real, um, I know that. I've struggled a lot with, and let me know if I'm not answering your, your question or whatever, but. Oh, um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> he will, I've, and I'll forget what the question was and just be intrigued by what you have yeah. to say. So we're good. Um, hey, I've, first day pod. <laughs> I've struggled a lot with knowing like how much is oversharing, how much is helpful to other people, how much is like a, a selfishness kind of thing. Like, just like, I really want to get pats on the back and whatever. And. I've kind of just come to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter as well, as long as you're helping other people and you're serving other people and, and people are learning. So I've been presenting on and, and co-facilitating like support groups and presenting on my own experiences with mental health issues since I was 21 ish, maybe 22. How old are you now? 26 and a half. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> um, so yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now, how do you I feel? That... I, Mike, I just want to ask, how do you feel about, do you, when you're sharing, because uh, there's that too, that now you're going to be going into a professional kind of capacity. And is there, um, like, are you, are you worried about oversharing because of that, about, you know, getting the placement? Although, hey, congratulations. Thank you. Just, yes. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm... <laughs> It's so relieving. Um, it's I've just been so stressed for a myriad of reasons for the past like probably like two months, maybe a month. Um, so it's definitely like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I still have one more internship to um, to apply for um, or to interview with on Tuesday, um, but we'll see. I at least have this in my back pocket. But awesome. yeah, just in terms of of oversharing, there's there's one that. Um, you know, depending on my clients, I I don't know if I can continue to do what I'm doing now um, if I'm going to have like adult clients. So maybe I can put myself on private, whatever. Um, what do you mean? Like be public or be out there? Yeah, like, um... like an, an ethics standpoint, um, right. because then, you know, my my clients can go and look me up and, um, you know, there's kind of a, a weird thing there, especially if they're following me. Um, and then there's also, 
Um, well, I forgot what the second part was, but um, yeah. Oh, and then um, I don't know. There's just that weird ethical kind of um, barrier that needs to to be between clients and and uh, counselors. So I think I answered your question. Look. Mm-hmm. We have my brother on. He's a professional counselor. He's been one for mm-hmm. six years now. And he talks very, very, if you listen to any other episodes, but you could all view or listen to on your preferred podcast platform, like Apple Podcasts, or you could watch it on our YouTube channel, which uh, I should mention this as well. Periscope's going bye-bye in like two, three days. So Periscope oh, yeah. will be no more at the end of the month, which is on Wednesday. So we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, First Day Pod. Just go to YouTube and look up First Day Pod. You should easily be able to find it and then subscribe. And that way, if you want to watch the live streams or any of the past episodes, which has my brother on it, uh, Dave Wolf, who focuses on sugar addiction, another professional counselor, we have professionals on this show. And you can go back and gain wisdom from them. So Matt, my brother, always talks about the ethical lines, and they're very, very important to him. He doesn't mess around with it. He takes it very seriously. So he has a he has a tremendously low profile, and he's very private. He comes on this show because he wants to serve the greater good, which is one of, you know, as, as you know, or if those that don't know, I'm also working on my master's in clinical mental health counseling. I'm in year two. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. So, I've studied a bit of the ethics, and I I understand all that. There's a lot of ethics that go into counseling, and just because you're a psychologist or a licensed professional counselor or a psychiatrist, they're all different names, but they're all doing the same, besides psychiatrists being medical doctors, we're all serving the the same purpose here, to help people with mental health. So I get it. The ethical dilemma does mean that you, you probably will have to tone things down or, or not tone things down, but like just minimize the accessibility to the public. And that's, I guess, a sacrifice you make because you want to help people. Yeah. And it's, I mean, yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, it's such a small part of my life and it would be a bummer. Um, but I think if it really became an issue, I would probably just create an alias and just be kind of low key. <laughs> Burner um, account. Woo! Yeah. I know, I know a counselor in Seattle um, that is like, pretty unidentifiable um he has his own practice and and um he's a mutual of mine i talk to him every now and then uh so it can be done mm-hmm. what yeah. is, so this is something we talked about with matthew as well what is the outlook from your view of social media is social media a detriment to society or is it individual case-by-case basis because i know and you have experienced it yourself me and leanne have also experienced it the negative side the arguments and the faux outrage where sometimes people just get in these debates where there will be no resolution and it just creates this chaos under the system and it will always continue to perpetuate itself. So I wonder how you view that and do you run into people because you have been working with clients already that talk about the negative impact of social media? Yeah, I think it's really nuanced Um, because on one hand, just especially with how I guess unjust our society is, um, how inequitable it is. It allows people to, you know, to kind of come together and protest or spread information. But also, there's also that like a lot of the mis or the information that's spread is misinformation. Um, like I hear from my parents all the time about things that they've seen online, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, like you can't go to like 
reallyawesomenews.com for your news. Like, um, oh man. And I was having a discussion last night with one of my friends about just um, fake news, information, whatever, between like countries. And we, I think we really give people too much credit for like how much, how much just as like critical thinkers that we can like um, parse out good information versus bad, um, which isn't to say that people are like dumb. It's just, it's really hard and, and our brains aren't, they're not set up to be taking in all of this news and all this information that we get every day. So I think it is good and bad, which is a little bit of a cop out. Um, it's not black or white. Yeah. These things are. Yeah. Complicated. I think it's probably more good than bad. Um, especially if you use it correctly. And I don't think people do. So <laughs> I think, I think fantasy baseball community is a pretty good example of it being mostly useful. I'm sure there's, it's not perfect, but there's a lot of positivity in that realm. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll vouch for them. Uh, as far as mental health online, I think you could go on for hours and hours and you can find a lot of people sharing things and you can really find solace. There's a lot of isolation out there. I mean, me and Leanne, we do this podcast partly because we're isolated from each other as well. It's one of the it's one of the meaning points we have. Not being able to see each other for over a year, which in itself is a horrendously frustrating yeah. Mental health issue in its own. I mean, depression and anxiety from that is very real. Right, Leanne? Yes. So welcome and, to yeah. our date night, Mikey. Yeah, <laughs> let's get it. Anxious a, date night. Yeah. We're a throuple now. We <laughs> welcome. Hey, everybody's welcome here. We could be a quintuple or a, yeah. a hexy. I don't care. But I do know that it's frustrating to be alone and isolated, but then you can find solace for people online that you didn't know were out there, and that is a benefit. I think that is the common benefit that is really dismissed a lot, and I think you just kind of hit the head, nail on the head by saying that. I was just doing an assignment last night. I was actually, it was supposed to be due, like, the week that my grandpa died, and um, right. I just reached out to my professor, and I was like, hey, my grandpa just died and I know I'm supposed to turn this in on um, whatever day it is, but like talking about connection and isolation and response to trauma and stress is like a lot for me right now. Like, can I not do, like, can I do this later? And, and obviously it's a counseling program, so they've been super great. Um, but it was super interesting. I, I watched some like TED Talks on it last night because I, I finally feel like it's something that I can like actually wade into that territory. And like, it's, there's a couple things. Um, I kind of looked at it from the perspective of grief and a lot of the different learning that I've been doing just in my program, um, like there with addiction, there is a tech talk by Johan or Johan Hari that he has two. Um, oh yeah. Super good. Uh, for addiction. He says like the opposite of addiction isn't like not being addicted. It's connection. And he kind of says the same thing with depression and anxiety and with trauma. Um, you know, one of like, it's so curative and connection is so just, I think it's like one of the only ways that you can kind of heal yourself. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been struggling with. I had to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like kind of creative, but my execution's really bad. So like I've been working all day with my little brother, like making music. Um, 
and we've been having a bunch of, I, I should be doing like school stuff, but that's how I chose to spend my day, which, right. um, you know, there's some connection right there. Um, but I, I chose to do, um, I don't know if we have any Nirvana fans here, but nah. with I'm 40 uh, years old, of course, <laughs> with the, uh, the connection piece, um, I took this metaphor that comes out of a book called it's okay that you're not okay by Megan Devine. And the analogy for grief is that uh, she has a couple, but it's just that like elephants uh, when they're wounded or hurt or whatever, they gather around each other and like come together, super connected. Mm -hmm. And so I drew, it's, it's really cute. Um, so I drew just like two elephants, like kind of like hugging. Um, it's not a good drawing. Um, <laughs> And then for the isolation, because it's it's been really weird. Um, wow, Yancey. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the right uh, form for this, Yancey, but I think I know where you're going. Save um, it for later. Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, like at first when my grandpa passed away, we were just all in it. And we were really connected. When, when did this happen, by the way? How recently was this? I think I it was I, I missed like this. I... A I didn't like really post about it just because I felt like... Um, like, I'm not scared to be like, yo, my Lolo passed away. Like, I'm sad. Um, I post about it on, like, Instagram. But about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. Um, okay. Sorry. Say three weeks. Just yeah. the context. Um, and so it was a really rough, like, last two weeks. Um, <clears throat> I haven't had any death, really, in my life, like, relative to other people. I've had, like, an uncle die that I wasn't close to. I've had, like, more distant relatives die. Uh, maybe like people at my school that I didn't really know. And I've always felt like it's so hard to to have like the right emotions. And I don't think that there's a right way to grieve, but it feels a lot better to be really emotional and crying than really numb. And I took a grief class last last summer. And that's where I learned, uh, that's where I read that book and, and um, learned a lot about just like how to deal with grief and how to talk to people about grief. Um, and so I really leaned into it. I was really, really sad. Um, and I'll probably write like a medium post about it at some point, kind of like a letter to my Lolo. Um, but like the, the connection that I had with all my siblings and my dad and just everyone, because we all were going there like every day to see my grandpa. Um, and to see him just in that state, um, it sucked. And I think, I think we do grief. I think we do like death and dying in the totally wrong. Like we don't have those conversations where it's like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want mm -hmm. to be buried? Like you're going to die soon. You know, like we don't talk about it. We just act like it doesn't happen until we're there and we don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Some of my, some of my siblings, my dad, they're kind of more numb. They're my dad. It's really heartbreaking uh hearing him talk about it because he's like i i can't believe this happened um and he's like 90 like my grandpa's like 90 mm. wow yeah so he lived a long life and he was in a lot of pain towards the end um so i think it was it was um yeah i think it, they're super important um and we didn't necessarily do that the right way but i hope to do that with my dad and my, my siblings and whoever else um, but it was really beautiful just like to be there in the room 
with with like my sister and her just like crying and, and comforting each other. Um, was and, this at his house or was that in a, a hospital or? He's in a memory care place. Him and my okay. grandpa or grandma were, um, or are, he, she is, he is not. Um, mm. And so we, they let, a, let us visit him because he was declining. It was pretty obvious that he only had so much time left. Mm -hmm. um, and he also, he had a stage four gastric cancer diagnosis. So he mm -hmm. outlived it, you know, by like a year. But it was really cool to go, yeah. Um, really cool to, 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 to have that connection. But then it just kind of went away when life came up. And I, I wish I could have taken more time off and really processed it because I think I did as best as I could. But now it just feels more distant. Like I was there in it and I saw him declining and just not doing well. And um, did I you ever tell, think about like, soon. his death? Like, I mean, being he, he's your grandpa. Did you ever think like, well, my grandpa's going to die someday. Did that ever cross your mind before that? Um, or is that something you think we ignore as humans anyways? We always try to just. I think we do. Mind. I think it's hard because you just go about your life. And one of the things that like. So really, no, like uh, sometimes I'd think about it and be like, man, like I only have so much time with them. I need to spend more time with them. And that's kind of what I have going on with me now is I remember being a kid and I remember just being just being a bad kid, like being a kid and like playing video games. And um, my grandma being like, come eat. Or stop playing True Crime New York. Like the language in there is awful. I'd be like, all right, grandma. And then I would just keep playing. Um, or they would want to go fishing. And I wouldn't want to go fishing because I'm like, that's boring. And now I would do almost anything to go smelting or fishing with my grandpa one last time. Um, right. Yeah. It's, so, a typical, it's a typical feeling. It's not unusual at all. This is... We always... <laughs> This is part of the maturation process and development, right? You, we yeah. learn this as well. You, you want to go back and experience things, but when you're in them at the time, you liked what you were doing, you're in the moment, you're just enjoying, life is simple. And, and at that age too, it's more carefree, less responsibilities required, and there's just less on your plate. So you don't understand the impact or sometimes understand the gravitas of yeah. what's, what's before you. And I don't think that's an uncommon feeling at all. I mean, there's no. some... Really good comments here from uh, our listeners, by the way. Ed says, self-love, forgiveness, and acceptance is crucial to heal from trauma, in my opinion. And again, this goes, I think you could throw grief in there as well, which is clearly traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that uh, has to do with self-compassion, too. And I, I try, I think I've kind of fallen out of that practice a little bit, but I try to be self-compassionate and, um, you know, there's nothing that I can do about it now, but I started really grieving last summer when COVID happened and I, I never thought I would get to hug them again. So, I mean, the last words I ever said to him were mahal kita, which means I love you. Um, I got to hug him. I got to give him a kiss. Um, oh, yeah. Wonderful. But, I, but I really started grieving like last summer because I knew I might never get to hug them again. I might never get to do, they don't get to dance anymore. They don't get to like my grandma can't cook anymore. Um, so I guess it's sort of nice to have part of that complete. Um, I don't know. It's a really weird process for me. So yeah. that's a, 
those that don't know, uh, Mikey is uh, Filipino. For any new listeners or viewers out there of the First Day Podcast, we were talking with him. I assume what you said was, how would you say it? In Philippine? Is that how you say it? Because I don't even know. Tagalog. Um, there are, I think, like dozens of dialects, maybe hundreds. But really, the I would say the main three are Tagalog, Ilocano, and like Basayan. Um, so oh. my, my grandpa speaks both Tagalog and Ilocano. I keep talking about them in the present uh, tense. Um, and my grandma speaks uh, Tagalog. Um, I'm trying to learn, but it's hard. You didn't grow up with it necessarily. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, okay. I know I can kind of pick apart like what my dad's saying, um, but I, I definitely don't get everything, and I um, I can't speak really at all. Like I I've, I can say some, I can like talk some, but not enough. Wow. We are live here with Mikey. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about grief. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about real shit that happens on every planet in this universe. And it happens in every country. It happens in every town, on every internet platform. I assure you, we're all harboring pain. I have a similar story to yours. You know, I, the first person that died in my life, I was 20 and they weren't, they were like kind of like an uncle. He wasn't technically a relative. He was a former step relative, and he died at alcoholism at 33. I mean, it's just wow. horrendous. You really got to drink yourself to death to die at 33, and he did. Um, but then, you know, a year later, my best friend died, and that really changed <clears throat> my life at 21. And I don't even know how I dealt with it. I still don't know. It's yeah. So, so much time goes on from that. You, I go back and think about wow, how. What did I do? Did I really come to terms? I mean, I got drunk a lot and I cried when I got drunk. I'm sure that was great, but that didn't really resolve anything necessarily, or that's not a good coping mechanism, I would say, either. It's not going to find solace for me or comfort by, by going through those means. So I, get, I understand the process. I do. Because when you don't experience death and life goes along pretty well and then it starts to happen, it could kind of take you by surprise. And I think that's where a lot of people get freaked out that first time they lose someone they really care about and they don't have the conversation with other family members right and i tried like kind of like i was talking about with um just grieving that or just like regret every time (laughs) every time my dad's like being annoying i'm like okay i am like when i was young when i was like five six my grandparents were the age that my dad is. So I try and think about that and think like, you know, I think um, every day is kind of like something that we should cherish, but especially like he's not promised tomorrow. Like none of us are, but like, especially, especially him. Um, so I don't know. I try and, and really cherish that time that we have together. And I'm sure because it's fresh, it's easier to do now and that'll kind of fade over time, but I hope to kind of keep it, whatever. I try to be to, to help them at a shop and do things like that. Cause, um, there's going to be a time when he's not here and I'm never going to regret spending time with like quality time with him. So that's huge. That's a yeah. huge takeaway. And I think for all of us, um, we were talking about, um, we do a mastermind, uh, for this, uh, on Sunday mornings. And we were talking about it because one of the the guys that are in it, one of his big things that he's really trying to get is 
um, a daily practice of med- of um, mindfulness, but not and meditation, but not just doing a 20 minute meditation. And that's it. He wants like a walking, living meditation that you're really in the now. Um, because we were talking and yeah, when somebody passes, you, you don't know when the last time is that you were going to hug them or what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but same thing, anything can happen to us that you can get in a car accident and not die, but you could become paralyzed. And then yeah the last time that you went skiing was the last time, even though while you were skiing, you didn't think that was your last time. That was just something you do every winter and next winter you'll be able to do it. So you kind of take all of these things for granted that you're going to do them again. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a a really good lesson for all of our life because you never know when the last time is. And another example that he gave is when you have kids, you never know when that the last time is that you're going to pick up your kid. You just keep picking it up. And then Whoa. all of a sudden there is a last time, right? And, but you just don't know when that's going to be. So it's hard to look back on that last time unless you're cherishing every moment. Right. Yeah. That's a big, uh, I didn't think that this is where this was going to go, but this that kind of reminds me of um, just that, that I don't even know what you call it um, saying uh, mm-hmm. where they say like, you know, you died twice, like, um, I think like when you die and the last time a, a person says your name, it's kind of chilling. You know, I have yeah, never experienced it's something that. like it that. Really intense. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is like because then that's like the last time. Uh-huh. I don't know that like people remember you. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I can. I, know. I can feel the intensity of that. I can. I, yeah. Wow. I'm share this comment from Ed. Ed's very hello, Ed. Ed's part of hey, our book Ed. club, by the way. Every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, we have a book club. You can get the Zoom link from us by DMing us or emailing the show firstdaypod at protonmail.com. You could be like Ed. We didn't even know Ed, and now Ed's a part of the book club. It's very cool. We rotate all kinds of books. We don't just focus on one singular topic. It could be anything. They're not fiction, though. They are about life and learning lessons that hopefully we can apply to our own lives. So Ed said, this might sound off, but the nice part about grief is our loved ones we have lost is in the front of our mind. Even though they are gone, you can feel the presence. I was actually comforted by that feeling. Mikey, what do you make of that? Any uh, relation to that? Or I think that it feels really good to be sad about my grandpa because it means that he was special to me. And it meant that our relationship is one that was like worth having and, and you know, just special. So I, I've actually been thinking about that, that like, um, you know, even though I'm sad, even though he's like in the forefront of everything, I would much rather have it that way than, like I said, I think my, my, my dad, my younger brother, are a little more, n- I don't, numb. They're not processing it in the way that I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really thankful because I think I would feel really guilty if, if I wasn't sad, if I didn't spend that time like really in that grief process, like three days, the first three days was like, shit. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Ed hit the kind of the nail on the head there. Um, it's, it is comforting and I have felt worse since he hasn't necessarily been at the forefront. Like I've been thinking about other things and haven't been as actively grieving, but that's where the self-compassion comes in. And it's, you know, um, there's no, it's no, it's not linear and there's no right way to do it. So that's what I keep trying to remind myself. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things too, is that 
with all of these kind of feelings, we're so, um, we all think that it's like a, there's a stop, there's an end, there's a, this is the path, this is the way. If I'm not doing it the way that like the person next to me is doing it, I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. And I feel like with grief, especially, we all do it differently. And, but I think it is important that we do it. I think what you're doing is beautiful. Um, but the other thing is there's like our expectation. I almost feel like we don't know what our expectation is with it. Like, is it, is there an end point? And that's what we're trying to look for. Is that part that we're not sad anymore? Hmm. Or is like, I don't, I don't think that we have an understanding of what that's supposed to look like. Yeah. And that's where we get sidelined that if you're, we have that memory inside of our, our cells that will remember the, the day, for instance. And so mm -hmm. like around that time, like around this time of the year, next year, even if you're not really talking about it, I mean, next year you will, but let's say 20 yeah. years down the road and it's kind of, some people are stopping to talk about it. You'll get that. Your body will remind you. Um, mm -hmm. And it might blindside you. You'll be grocery shopping and then you'll see the fruit that he loved and you'll just start crying. And then we get hard on ourselves that it's like, oh, I thought I already grieved. I right. thought I already did this. So there's there's also a um, another like metaphor in that Megan Devine book where she talks about grief like um, like a box with a button and a ball in it. Now, okay. first, the ball is really big. So it presses on the button a lot and you're really sad. You're in a lot of pain. You're grieving. And then over time, the ball gets smaller and it moves around. And when you hit the button, it hurts a lot still. M maybe like less, obviously, than the first couple of days. But, you know, it gets smaller and smaller until it doesn't hit the button very much. And that's kind of how I've been kind of been my framework for it. Um, wow. Yeah. Cool. and Yeah. And so I guess... I guess my ball isn't isn't hitting my button as much now. Um, and, you know, hopefully I don't want to live a life where it's just constantly pressing that button. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. I, I that book is just it's really strong. Uh, I think it can be kind of tough depending on grief, um, you know, your experiences with grief. But there are a couple metaphors that like really, really have stuck with me. That's beautiful. Mm hmm. So you experience it yourself because you're a human being. How do you, what kind of advice? Because, you know, this is a big moment for you. This experience will always stick with you. Uh, how did you find yourself treating people who had grief from death prior to this? And how do you think it'll be different now? Do you think this experience will change your execution as a professional? Or was it already pretty set for you? I think um, reading that book might have done more than my experiences. Hmm. We offer a lot of platitudes when when people die. We and sure do. Man, we love platitudes. It's really uncomfortable. Like it's like it's like offensive. It's like they're in a better place now. Like what? I agree. Like, I agree, man. I am sick of platitudes around death. I, or, I I'm with you. Or they wouldn't want you to be sad. Like I'm pretty sure my grandpa would be like, <laughs> I think if, if we weren't sad, he'd be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> my, what am I not like, do I mean, Did I not mean anything to anyone? Yeah. yeah. So I try my best to not offer any platitudes. Um, yeah, I mean, 
And some are some are weird because a lot of the time people will say like I'm sorry and if you take it literally it's like what are you sorry for? But, you know, for the most cuz some people find it kind of offensive too. Um but I think for the most part we're extending, you know, like not literally like I am sorry for your grandfather dying, right. but like wow, that's really hard. So they don't know what to say. Well, yeah. I'll say cuz I fall into that and I guess it is the wrong wording, but when I say it, it's because I feel I'm very much a, a feeler of other people's energy. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I feel bad that you're going through this. Like I, <laughs> right. I'm sorry that you have to go through this part of your journey, like mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. And so there probably is a much better way to. Yeah. Convey and I don't that. know what that is, but I think really just honoring that they that like you shouldn't treat them any differently. Like I think for the most part, people walk or um, it's like walking on eggshells. Like it's, I think it's way worse to give people like that space and just like stop talking to them than, than it is to like maybe say something wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to say the wrong things. Um, I think if you're trying or, or, or to, to say like, I don't know what to say is more so what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um so really just trying to understand like they're going through a really tough time and it's weird because we say like if you if you need anything like let me know and I'm not ever going to let someone know. So <laughs> it's it's really trying to strike that balance between you know am I just someone in the room like am I just here and like whatever or am I like Am I like talking them through it and like giving them a shoulder to cry? And I think it's kind of at first, like maybe you are just there and it just feels nice to have someone around. Um, But sometimes, you know, it's more and I think it can be kind of a slow process, but I think it does way more harm to be afraid of that and to distance yourself. Um, I think that that can kind of end a relationship. Whereas like saying the wrong thing, I think you can kind of get over it. Um, and for a lot of people, I, I don't think necessarily that you, not that you can't say the wrong thing, but I think for the most part, people don't get like, you know, up in arms about you saying something of your words. Um, we just do death so poorly in this country. And I mean, a lot of countries, but it's mm-hmm. weird. Absolutely. Well, and people yeah. may get offended with what yeah. you're saying because it's a very difficult time, but it's, there's a lot of situations that like last summer when for me, I didn't know what to say. Like I wasn't sure about any mm-hmm. of the right words to say. Um, and I was probably offensive when I was trying to show my, my solitude with and all of that kind of thing, because I, I didn't know the right words, but the way that I, it's exactly like you're saying, if you're going to say that it's better to say the wrong thing, knowing that it's coming from a good place, mm-hmm. obviously, um, if it's coming from a good place, then people, they may get upset initially, like, yeah. because it's just so sensitive. But then after I've had people come back to me after and, and said, I'm sorry, it was really tough. Um, you know, maybe next time you could handle it this way. Um, but I'm sorry, I was just in a bad place. And yeah. I know that it comes from a good place. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating 
Grief is always going to be complex. It's never easy for anybody necessarily. So we're not trying to minimize it, but we got great comments from everybody here on our live stream. I think silence speaks louder than trying to be fixed, says Ed. That's an interesting take. And Cubby Null says, great pod so far, but ditch. Oh, yeah. Ditch <laughs> Michigan. Oh, shut up, man. I didn't catch that. I read that in real time. Uh, Michigan won today. You're not going to ruin that. That's a positive experience for me. Okay, let me have my moment. Um, yeah, we're talking here live with Mikey. Mikey, how do you say your last name? Is it Ahito or Ahito? So, um, there's a story about it, but it's ah. Uh, so the A sound in Tagalog is ah. So it's ah. Uh, there's no J sound. It's H. So Ahito. Ahito. Yeah. Okay. People Not people nice. butcher it all the time. It's crazy. Um, well, I've heard people say your name on podcasts to say Ajeto, and I'm like, well. I and feel like the J, my initial instinct was that it was a silent J, but I didn't yeah. know what your background was. And so. most people do. I, I uh, about six months ago, I, I was saying the J, like a hard J, um, but and a lot of my family still does. But just kind of to honor my my heritage and my Filipino side, um, it feels weird to say it in an anglicized way when it's not. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a it's Filipino, um, so. Yeah, now it's ahead of. Nice. Well, hmm. let me ask you this. I don't know a better way to ask it, so I'm just going to ask it. So how can you help other people out there who, because the United States is filled with racial issues. It's just a part of the foundation of this country. It was built on slavery and you know cruelty to Native Americans. That's what this country was created. That is not yeah. a debate. So we're not going to even debate that because that's a fact. But... How can you help people out to understand the pain of not being white in this country? Because I know that that pain exists, but a lot of people try to scoff at it or minimize it. That's what this constant debate is. Well, you know, these days now there's like white people trying to make a movement about, hey, what about white people? It's like, fuck you. Get the fuck out. You've had your time. Your party's over. But I want to try to not, I didn't want to say that, but I said it. But I, I I wanted to get your opinion from an emotional point of view, the impact that it has on people as a professional and as somebody who is non-white. Very loaded question, but it is, um, it's, it's hard for me too, because, um, I don't even know really how to describe myself anymore. Um, like, I don't know if I would call myself a person of color and almost sometimes like calling myself Filipino is weird. Or I used to call myself brown, and now I like don't call myself that anymore. So it's a weird space because I'm half Filipino, half white. Um, I obviously like I don't identify with the white part because I think most people look at me and they can tell I'm something. Um, I, I, people generally think I'm like Puerto Rican or Mexican. I get Mexican probably the most. Middle Eastern. Um, but does that wear on you? That's I, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Like this emotional aspect. <laughs> oh yeah, it's. It's hard because no one um, it's really invalidating. Like people, um, where was I? I was just somewhere. Oh, I was at like a, I was getting a drink um, and this dude started talking to me about politics and I was wearing a shirt that said, this is a policy proposal uh, with a uh, police car on fire. Um, and <laughs> he was very upset about that. And I'm then sure he, was. He, he said something um i said something and then he called me white and i was like i'm not white um and he's like yeah you are um 
And I was like, okay, well, this is where the conversation gets disrespectful and I'm going to walk away. Um, but I, I get um, my Filipino side discounted a lot. And it is really hard because um, it's, it's invalidating to a huge part of me. Like I'm really proud of, I make Filipino dishes. My dad's an immigrant from the Philippines or my grandma and grandpa and whatever. Um, and so obviously like colorism is a huge thing. I, I benefit from my lighter skin, but also I'm not afforded a lot of the privileges and, and power that comes with whiteness um, because of my last name, because of the way I look um, things like that. So it's weird because in, it's, it's very nuanced in some ways I, I do benefit from whiteness. Um, and in some ways I really don't. So it, it's tough. Um, I live in a lot of like literally and figuratively in a lot of white spaces. The fantasy baseball community is very, very male, very, very white. Um, it's bad. and I'm constantly trying to advocate for like pitcher list um, to reaching out to like more women, more women of color, more people of color, more. Mikey works there, by the way. Leanne, it's that? a website. I'm just letting Leanne know oh. it's a website. That oh, Mikey okay. yeah. So. Um, oh. I I tried my best to to go out of my way to to make it a more inclusive space because it's it's really tiring. Like I think that the nature of just like the fantasy baseball community it's almost not worse but it's like very insidious because it's such a well-meaning space but then we don't have like the actions to go with what we believe and everything um because it's like oh cool like you you want to give more opportunities to people of color but then like you have like two staff writers that are that are um so yeah it's it's um operating under the pretenses of of whiteness and really like really like white supremacy and everything uh it is really really tiring and and these are things that i think about like every day um i wish i didn't live in the space all the time and that's probably why my adrenal glands are just so shot and i'm so tired all the time um but yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about kind of cultural and, and racial and whatever kind of things. Um, so to answer you your question, yeah. yeah. I know you do, but the, yeah. I, I think you did a good job of answering the question, which was for people to understand that there's an emotional toll that goes for people who are, are not white or they don't look white or appear white. It is exhausting and it's real. And I think people need to have much more sympathy and understanding for that and they i don't know if they do yet and that's it's a big problem beyond the obvious issues of racism i'm talking about this emotional exhaustion and it's it, it, you did you described it quite well yeah. and that kind of leads me to the next point though i'm curious how you feel about labels any type of labels not just race stuff just like mm -hmm. our our identifying ourselves with labels because you know leanne you sent me a uh podcast the other day it was a uh, bm bialik uh, blossom remember she uh, she's probably more known now for uh that show yeah call me cat show. no the show about the nerds oh the, big bang the big bang theory, theory. yeah she, right yeah, the nerds see i'm labeling already but uh she sent me a podcast me and bialik and sam harris do you ever you know much about sam harris you do sam harris at all 
I don't like Sam Harris. Oh, great. Well, let's hear that. Could you tell really? me why real quick? So I'm curious. Um, sometimes I get him and um. Oh, I forgot his name. Oh, uh, he's like a. Is he ner- is Sam Harris a neuroscientist? Yes. Yeah, he is. He's got his own oh. uh, meditating app, and he There's, focuses on. He's kind of related to. I think his name starts with a J. Jordan. Oh, Jordan Peterson. Yes, I hate yeah. both of them. Um, okay. So. I remember specifically like uh, a conversation that Ezra Klein, a podcast that he had with Sam Harris and Sam Harris was they, one of the topics that they talked about is Sam Harris had defended someone who wrote a book about how black people are actually um, biologically inferior. And essentially Sam Harris's standpoint was if this is, if this information is actually correct, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like thrown away just because it's not politically correct. Um, And I think that he was giving far too much credibility to, I forgot what it was, the book and and studies or whatever. Um, It's hard to describe. I feel like um, a lot of my like white friends who like love uh, Elon Musk and like uh, stoicism, like they like yeah. Sam Harris. <laughs> okay, um, I can see that. So I, I have bad associations with him. And but what um, about okay? Let's go back to the labels then, though. So because mm-hmm. Sam Harris does have a meditating app. It's called Waking Up. I think I think that you can be many things all at once simultaneously yes you can be a fool and you can be wrong and incorrect but you can also provide good in the world i mean like there's there are so many sides to us and aspects of our personalities and our existence we can make mistakes but also do good things there's a lot of examples of that in the world so i'm not here to defend him that was not my intent my focus was on what he's he made a point about labels and i started thinking about labels a lot and me and leanne have talked about labels on this show before and identifying ourselves with certain causes or just or cultural backgrounds even or as a male or a female or not or you know all of this stuff i just wonder what your opinion is on it because i don't have a clear-cut opinion like i i've been fine just being myself but i know that labels can be really important to people so do you think they're very important to identify with is it important to have an identification with the self or do you see that as a detriment I guess it depends on what the label is. Um, but I know that a lot of people, they really, yeah, like it's really important to them because they really identify with them. Like yeah. me, like um, I guess an example is um, like, I don't care so much like what, like what pronouns people use for me. Like my pronouns are he and him, but if someone uses they like, like that's, it's um, kind of interchangeable. Whereas, you know, someone else, they really might like there's, you know, kind of the order. Um, but maybe someone's are like he, they, but they put the he first because like um, maybe they're trans and like it's really important that you validate um, their pronoun. So I think it really, really matters. I, ha- I remember having a, um, a professor who's African-American and we were talking about uh, the difference between using black and African-American. And for the most part, I try and gravitate towards black. And there's no like consensus. But she was like pretty upset when one of my um, classmates was like 
well, I feel I thought I like I thought black was was the like term to kind of use more. And my professor was like, no, I want you to um, to really honor like the um, African term. Like that means a lot to me um, because it's weird. No one says like European American. So I think that's why a lot of people prefer like black. Um, there's obviously pros and cons, but yeah, I think, I think labels, um, in general, like really matter and are really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was a good descriptor of that too. Uh, Leanne, what do you think? I think it's one of those things that I think if it is important to you that, and this is going to, I guess, sound again, it's going to be one of those things that is probably the wrong thing to say, but if it is important to you, I think we need to also be sensitive to the fact that not everybody's going to understand. And so the first time that they say it, then say, oh, okay, just just so you know, I would prefer if you used African-American, because then there's also people that their heritage is not from Africa. So yeah. they get offended that you're just assuming that they're all, you know, from Africa. Same thing with like age. Like, I don't care if you call me Ms. or Miss or Mrs. Like, I don't, I don't care if, mm -hmm. but I've sat at tables that are uncomfortable <clears throat> that the waiter will come and oh. say, you know, Mrs. And then they get like really upset or they say Ms. or whatever, and they get really upset and they berate them. And I'm like, stop it. Like, don't, don't berate them. They had no idea. They're mm -hmm. trying to be just the fact that they're putting a label to call you is, is a sign that they're trying to show connection and respect. <clears throat> so I think there's also on the flip side, I think we need to be a little bit more sensitive um, if they keep doing it and it's like a, you know, then it's an issue, but it's just, it's so hard because there's so many nuances to, to every mm -hmm. kind of label anymore. I generally try to make my labels as um, like, as an example, like as gender neutral as possible. And then, you know, once you, once you get corrected, like they, I, I try my best and my little mm -hmm. brother does too. So when we talk about people and sometimes it gets a little confusing, but we'll say they mm -hmm. instead of he or she, because sometimes people don't have pronouns in their, like in their profiles. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we find out later, then we can use the other yes. labels. But um, I think it's really hard and most people don't practice it, but uh, language is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. So I try my best to be really intentional about the language that I'm using. Mm -hmm. That is a great point. That's something we've also discussed on the show before. Your intentions. Everyone's intentions can have a profound <clears throat> impact on not only the people that the words and the actions go out to, but yourself internally. What I intend and how I see myself and how I intend to be seen can make a big difference in how I feel about myself. I, I think that you would agree with that based on what you're saying. Yeah, there are situations where I don't think intentions matter. Um, I was going to say they don't matter as much, but... Uh, I think a better way to say it because language matters a lot is that intentions aren't sufficient. Um, I think Robin DeAngelo's like white fragility has a lot of flaws, but there are good uh, nuggets <laughs> hey, in there. Remember that Leanne? Um, I do. Uh, oh one of the things that she talks about and other people have talked about um, is that intentions. I think she might say that they don't matter. Um, and the point being is that if you're inflicting harm, on another person and your intentions were good. It's like, well, that's better, I guess. Like you weren't trying to, but you did. And so the, you know, the outcome's the same. 
So I think it gets really dangerous because I know friends who I actually just had not an argument because it wasn't combative at all, but I had a conversation with one of my friends about this last weekend and he really thinks that intentions matter. And I was trying to tell him like, I think a lot of that is intersectionality or intersections of identities matter a lot. And he's a white male, white straight, like, you know, he (laughs) checks most of the majority boxes. And I, I was like, I think that's a lot of what's informing your perspective. And I think that my intersection of identities is informing mine. Um, so there are points where I think that, well, I guess intentions are never sufficient, but there are times where they're really not sufficient, I guess, you know, <laughs> it, it is, it's so, it's so nuanced. Oh, no doubt about it. I, completely understand your point of view there. And I wanted to get this comment, and this is a really powerful comment from Ed. This was earlier, going back to our grief talk. He said, when my wife died after giving birth to our only child, I don't think I was in the mood for advice. Couldn't understand that. Like, I should remarry because my son needs a mother and make sure she does not have kids so my son is put first. I would have preferred silence or sorry for what you are going through, which is... Going back to what we talked about with grief, that's an interesting take. I mean, I, I mean, I respect it. As someone who's like really opinionated, one of the biggest things that I've tried to change, and I think this is like stemming back to when I uh, was dating my like first really serious girlfriend, but really like just not asking or not giving people advice if they're not soliciting it. Like if people want advice, they'll ask for it. And like, maybe you can be like, hey, like a better way is just to be like, Hey, I have like something that like I might think is helpful. Like, do you, is that something you're interested in? And rather than just like soliciting it or um, not soliciting it, just extending it. Um, I hope my brother's not watching. My older brother's pretty bad about this. Um, he <laughs> um, pontificating is a good word for it. He's the best, but um, sometimes I'll be like, I'll say a problem that I have and rather than, man, that's like really hard. Um, I'm sorry you're going through that. It's, well, here's how I think about it. And here, you know. Yep. So that's me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, I'm my, trying, that's my Leanne right there. I'm trying. My, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because it's, I am trying so hard to learn this. And it is, it's very, very difficult. And I've had, I'm grateful because I've had a couple friends. Um, I actually had one girlfriend that she called me like I was just she said something and through text and then I was like oh blah, and just like gave, I'm a fixer mm-hmm. and that was my <laughs> excuse which is not an excuse you are um, a fixer. and so she called me right away and she told me she was like I didn't ask I didn't ask for any yeah. advice I didn't ask for you to like you know counsel me in some way. I just wanted to tell my friend what was going on. And I'm so glad that she had that conversation with me because I've never really thought about it. Like I've heard people say, well, I didn't ask you. And it's like, meh, okay. So, (laughs) right. Like whatever. But when she said it like that, I was like, oh, shoot. She's like, yeah, I would have preferred if you would have just said, hey, I've got something, you know, when you're ready or if you, you want to hear kind of my take on it, I'd love to share it with you. Mm -hmm. And just that, I think, the extra questioning and the asking for what people need or want, mm-hmm. it is huge, but it's also uncomfortable for people because 
we talked about this before. There's like that filling space too. So somebody yeah. says it and silence is uncomfortable. You know, we get that on the podcast sometimes that there'll be people that'll come on and, and they're nervous. And so instead of letting there just be like a second of silence, it's constant going. And I think it's the same thing. You hear somebody hurt or you hear somebody complain and you just want to, you want to help. Yeah. But that it's, I'm trying to change that. I have, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, Go for it. I'm the same way. I like, I feel like I'm, I don't know if you, if uh, either of you read that article that I wrote, um, the medium post, but I'm very like heady, like I, and I think it has to do with like my childhood experiences, obviously like most of my processing comes really, really cognitively. And just like, I have a lot of tidbits that I've learned over the years. And so I always want to just like insert them. Like whenever they come up, I get, I just get really excited. Cause I'm like, man, this is my jam. Um, so I'm trying to be a lot better about it, but I think it was written about in, in it's okay that you're not okay. That, that like, it's really invalidating to like, try to be fixed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like, I think I've experienced that where it's like, like, I just, I just really like want to like put this out there and just like be heard, but rather mm -hmm. than like being heard, it's like, oh, you're wrong. Like, here's what you can do. So I've been on both sides of that. And Leanne, I'm not, I'm not great about it at all either. So, um, Whatever. But you're getting into the right profession because people are going to be asking you. <laughs> True. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really tough. But I, I think that space and being uncomfortable, like I think actually when it comes to grief or whatever, being uncomfortable is fine as the person who's supporting as long as the person is being supported with whatever they need. Um, and just being able to say like, wow, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. Um I think is actually really helpful and like really, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's really telling. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. One of the well, things that I give to people is um, if I, if I know them, like if I don't know them and whatever, um, but if I, if I'm close to them in some way, then I'll just say, I'm here if you just need to talk. Cause right. it, it, you know, and <laughs> I, they also know that like, I'm probably going to end up. And so now I have to like put that ending on it. And like, mm -hmm. I won't say anything because I'm really trying to change it. And cause they'll know like, really, you're just going to yeah. listen, but <laughs> it is what people they want. You're right. People want to be heard and not even just in grief or in trauma or in anything. They just want to be heard. And that's why social media is so huge. Yeah. Everybody just wants to get their voice out there. Anytime yeah. I have an issue, <clears throat> I'll say, uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta figure out what to do with this next podcast. And I don't know what to do, and she'd be like, "Well, what about this? And then, what about that? Uh, what about this? What about that? What about Whatever. That? You're my boyfriend. You don't count. I need to just yeah. she, oh, that's what she she'll never let it go. And I actually I admire it because she's so impressively determined about my own situation. It has nothing to do with her. She'll just keep coming back at me like, well, oh, like I needed a ride to get my colonoscopy done a couple weeks ago. That was a perfect example for, well, did you text uh, Steve? Or did you call uh, Eric? Uh, she, I was like, no. I'm like, I hadn't thought of all these people. They're all my friends. I, I appreciate it. She loves me and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all right. Wow. We've talked about a lot of stuff. This is the end of the show. We are oh, coming man. to our conclusion. This has been really wonderful. But the good news is that 
because Mikey's going to be alive and around for a long time, and we can do this hopefully. again, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. You're right. Don't maybe assume we should, anything. Maybe we should have that conversation. I hope to live a long life, but maybe we need to talk about it. <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. we do. <laughs> Well, we had some incredible comments here today. I want to thank everybody for participating. You could always participate in our live streams and comment in real time like Ed has been doing today. Yes, Ed had a great you. point about the identifiers. We were talking about labels. He says, I have identifiers like me, doctor, he, him. However, being large and Middle Eastern background, I don't care for fat, fat-ass, lazy-ass terrorist, Jesus, or desert person. But I don't take it personal anymore. It's their problem, not mine. Very well said. Yeah. Well said, Ed. And then Janice says they want to be seen visually and or vocally, or I think yeah. is what she meant. And yes. yeah, that's true. Going back to what we were Good just point. talking about. Mm -hmm. so a lot of great comments here. Ed says, if I was a machine and broke, please fix me. As a human, I appreciate constructive criticism to bring me awareness, but I'm not broken. So please don't try to fix me. That was the wrong way to say it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys thank you for your contributions thanks for the comments we thank mikey so much for joining us and having an honest genuine conversation about real shit you know we're getting real there's a lot of people who get real out there and I'm, we all commend the people who do that but we're just one of those types of people we're trying to do the same thing share honestly openly and thoughtfully <clears throat> and with our own experiences so it doesn't seem like they're trite or like you said earlier mm -hmm. the um this the platitudes, you know, we want, we don't yeah. want to use triteness or platitudes in our conversations. Be the real. intention of words matter. Like you said, yeah, be real. Use your intention of words specifically with intent to make a difference or to just be a bounce back. Yeah. You don't have to fix everything. You can just be a ear and that's sometime that's all people need. So yeah. uh, Mike, you know, our farewell speech here, tell people what they should know about you at this point. And if you want people to contact you, you can let them know. Um, I don't know what I want people to know about me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm like, I'm a grad school student. I, I write at pictureless and look at landing. Those things don't matter nearly as much as being a human. And, um, I kind of say that like being a therapist matters like more, but it's also just another thing that I do, but that like doesn't define me. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't know. This was, um, I've had a raging headache this entire time. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man! I don't know Sorry. why. I haven't been drinking enough water lately, but um, this hey, is you like. Hear that, Leanne? <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to fix Leanne, Mike? Right. She just has a lot of the issues that you have. That's all. Yes. You guys have a lot in common. I will say. Um, but yeah, I like this has been the best experience I've ever had while having a headache. Um, I'm like, so 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 very grateful to have this opportunity and i hope that um i'll be allowed back at some point because it's absolutely um, yeah yeah we'll be able to we'll be able to talk about something else we yeah. make connections on this show and if we have a connection which we certainly have then we'll keep it going we have my brother yeah. on like every month we've had uh dave wolf on many many times so you'll just be another one of our rotating guests because yeah you're also you know on the verge of being a professional so you'll have the experience as well to go mm -hmm. with the experience of your own existence so Turn off the blue lights, relax, you know, decompress, get rid of that headache. And I'm going to take some Tylenol. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, too. I'm, well, it has a lot of acetaminophen, but I took 7,000 milligrams of acetaminophen once and I survived, so I'm sure you'll be fine. Wow. But yeah, there's a lot. It's 25 Vicodin at once. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, but I lived. Here I am. I'm still here. There you go. So, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. 
Hey, for me. Uh, don't forget, we're First Day Pod. Check us out on Twitter, and our Facebook page is alive and well. And don't forget, Periscope's going bye-bye, so subscribe to our YouTube channel, at First Day Pod. Go to YouTube and just hit the sub link, and that way you can see every one of our shows live and in real time, and all the past shows. If you enjoyed this show, then you'll be amazed with the wealth of knowledge and insight and information from all the previous shows we've done. Right, Leanne? Is that it? Yes. Have we said everything? Have I missed um, anything? Yeah, just really quickly. I just want to let uh, people know that that Miles for Meaning is still going on until Wednesday. So um, it's not too late to join. That's for the Canadian Mental Health. Um, yeah. So you can get them uh, right now. The Windsor Board of Canadian Mental Health is in fourth place. Um, and wow. it's through America and Canada. So they are doing really, really well, but they need a little bit more support. So if you can strap on your shoes and... Um, you know, do your miles. That would be great. Um, and book club on Monday, we're starting a new book. Uh, you can heal your life by Louise Hayes. So if you want to join us, um, and next week, Mike and I are going to be on here, um, alone. We're just, we're not going to have a wow. guest next week. Yeah. So, uh, I hope you guys join us anyway. Uh, it's, uh, Easter for anybody that celebrates. So, um, we just thought we wouldn't, you know, ask other people to come on. Um, and so we'll just kind of have a little conversation. I think you and thought that by the way, I didn't, think I that. did. He didn't. Yeah. Don't right. speak for me. So, <laughs> okay. So a... yes. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, yes. Um, again, I'm, that I want all points of view represented here. That's all. <laughs> okay. So who knows? We may have somebody on next week, but I don't think so. I think it's just going to be Mike and I, um, and Atheist then I also and a Catholic. We're a perfect match. Come on. So yes. Uh. Okay. So anyway, um, the other thing is, is that we had a giveaway, um, a little while back and I never like officially announced the winner, uh, but I That's did true. contact the winter winner. So, uh, Julia, she won and she won, uh, this shirt. Oh, there it is. Aww. Yeah, be so be kind to yourself. That was through Banna, one of our guests as well. And um, that shirt. so thanks. And um, what's that? You should get one for yourself. You look good in it. This is mine. Oh, I, okay. look how yeah. dark that was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. What, Julia, you'll get this after I'm done sweating in it. So um, no, I gave her one. And then so I got one for myself as well. So And I got one for you. So next time I see you. Oh, anyway, I wonder when that'll be. Yeah. So 2025. So anyway, so we, um, I wanted to point out that, um, Julia, one of the things on the giveaway was a month subscription to audible. And, um, I said, you know, if you want me just to like e-transfer you the money, if you don't want that. And she goes, no, can you donate it to something? Um, you know, instead and, and put the money in lieu there. So we did it, uh, to the Crohn's and colitis walk. My sister's doing the walk. And, um, so we started doing that. So Julia, I just wanted to make a shout out for you. Thank you so much for that. So uh that is it i think mikey thank you so much this was amazing thank and um me. yeah we'll see you soon all right it. thanks everybody don't forget to follow mikey at d-y-s-t-h-y mikey this thy mikey all right or how, i don't know how he says it i heard the story before but i forgot it thanks everybody <laughs> really enjoyed having mikey mikey thank you so much for your time and we wish you all a lovely sunday or whatever day you're listening to the show on bye <laughs>